Welcome to Booked, where two guys say about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This week we will be reviewing the fifth book in a series. <laughs> the Miriam Black series, which I, I thoroughly enjoy. It's just the reviews on the sequels. I think listeners know I feel. But at any rate, The Raptor and the Wren <laughs> is this week's book. Now, uh, I want a disclaimer um, this episode. In the event that something major has happened in the last week or so, we didn't know about it when we were recording this because we are so way ahead of schedule right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So to mention, because you know something like, like you know, like um, um, Jack Ketchum died, right? Yeah. Ursula Le Guin died. Now, if we didn't address that in an episode several days after, I'd be like, oh, that's kind of weird that they're not talking about it. So in the event that Stephen King has passed along, we don't know it yet. So Yeah, uh, so get off our backs about it. Pretty much. That's what we're trying to say. So, yeah, we are exactly... <laughs> Uh, a week ahead in podcasting world, which has not happened, I don't think ever. Yeah, it's a first. I'm really like, so when I when I was um, making the post for, and this is the weird thing, like I'm probably editing and posting the previous episode tonight after we get done recording this. So we're like in the future by kind of two episodes. And when I was doing the Seth Harwood um, uh, post, I originally wrote that the next thing that people were going to hear was the Chuck Wendig review because that was the book I was about to start reading. Uh, and then I had to go back and correct myself and uh, it's yeah. Yeah. It's messing with my head. Yep. Mine too. A little bit. Mine too. Um, but at any rate, uh, here is a little bit about Chuck Wendig. You guys have probably heard this now. I don't know, six, seven times uh, since we started the podcast. Chuck Wendig is the New York Times bestselling author of Star Wars Aftermath, as well as the Miriam Black thrillers, the Atlanta Burns books, and the Heartland Young Adult series, alongside other works across comics, games, films, and more. A finalist for the John W. Campbell Award for Best New Writer and the co-writer of the Emmy-nominated digital narrative Collapsus. He is also known for his popular blog, TerribleMinds.com, and his books about writing. He lives in Pennsylvania with his family. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It's not the worst author bio I've read. Or no, no, I, I think it. I mean, it, it hits all the points. Yeah. It's got everything in there. Yeah, I was thinking about all the stuff that we have, re- like all the episodes we have of Chuck, Chuck Wendig, and so we have the first four Miriam Black books we've recorded, or we've reviewed. Then that first Star Wars Aftermath book, uh, which is a, was the first of three, and then we also did Zeros, that that weird hacker mm-hmm. AI kind of weird book, right? Yes, we did. So that's this is our seventh Chuck Wendig book? That's what I was saying. It has to be like seven or so episodes, yeah. And then we did an interview with him as well. So this is our Mm -hmm. eighth uh, episode about Chuck Wendig. That's a lot. We had Chuck Wendig month at one point. Yeah, we did. We did have Chuck Wendig month. Thanks to This Is Horror, because he won one of those awards, and that kicked off the whole thing. So That is correct, yeah. If you guys are tired of hearing us talk about Chuck Wendig, Michael David Wilson's fault. All right. Oh, uh, I should do the synopsis, eh? Yeah, I was I was just going to pass that back <laughs> over to you for a synopsis. Yeah, you know what? I'm throwing convention out the window. I like just when we just kind of chatter at each other, but um, I guess I'll do a synopsis. In the fifth book of the wildly entertaining... This is, <laughs> this is funny because wildly entertaining is in quotes, and then it's attributed to the Kirkus reviews. Like, they have to do a blurb inside of the synopsis, which was a little bit weird. But anyway, in the fifth book of the wildly entertaining... Miriam Black series, Miriam continues her journey to find answers on how to change her fate and begin to make right some of what she's done wrong. 
Armed with new knowledge that suggests that a great sacrifice must be made to change her fate, Miriam continues her quest and learns that she must undo the tragedies of her past to move forward. One such tragedy is Ren, who is now a teen caught up in a bad relationship with the forces that haunt Miriam and has become a killer just like Miriam. Black, meaning Miriam Black, must try to save the girl, but what's ahead is something she thought impossible. This is a little bit of a confusing, a little confusing synopsis. It's a little bit of a confusing story. Yeah. So, um, I, I we go back three books now to to touch on well two books now I guess to get back to Ren. Right. So for for somebody, uh, it's tough because when you read them as they come out, now you're going back a couple of years and trying to remember. Like I was like, oh, I remember that character kind of. So it took um, a good portion of the story for me in my head to catch up to where Miriam is and the things that happened um, with Ren and with um, Harriet. With yeah. Harriet, was yeah. yeah. So it was it was a it was a little bit of an odd. It's nice because you do get to revisit some things that happened in the past. Um, I don't know how essential they are to reading the book in general. Like, I think you could probably read this as a standalone. Sure. Um, but it does take a while, even if you had read those books, to for it to kind of, I don't know, whatever, for you to put it together in your head. To surface, yeah. Because, like, and I was thinking about that when I was reading this, and I think that uh, Wendig did a, a decent enough job of um, – saying it without saying it, like telling maybe new readers who didn't read the original books, like what was going on, um, where it wasn't like a cheesy flashback or some obvious like plot kind of contrivance to, to explain something that you should already know if you read the entire series. So I did notice that he did, um, like, and I believe that part of it was when Miriam has to explain to like agent Grosky or someone like what's going on we get a little bit of that backstory that we caught a long time ago or when she's re you know, remembering something to, you know, Lewis or whatever. Um, so he does a good enough job filling in the blanks in a way that isn't just like entirely obvious. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. there is, there were things where I was like, Oh yeah, that, that is what happened. Um, that I just totally forgot about or like a, a character comes back from the first book, uh, in the, in this book, and it's like, wow, we read those, what, in 2013? Mm -hmm. So we're looking at four and a half years ago. Yep. It's hard to remember, especially with the quantity of books that we used to read, like what exactly was going on. <laughs> so now super cool for anybody who's picking up the series and just reads them straight through. Yeah. Um, I, I've done that um, for a number of series where I maybe didn't catch on to something right away, but then it became more popular as the second and third book come out. So then you go back and you buy the first one and the second. You know what I mean? So... If uh, if I had not read these in the the time frame that they came out, would have been completely awesome. At any rate, let's rewind. Um, we pick up Miriam, who is living in Florida in her uh, her deceased mother's home, uh, and that's where we uh, where we catch up with her. And she has now taken on a partner in crime. Right? She's got I don't remember what the yeah Rita is. Yeah, Rita. Her and her and Rita. Who's, who's an old lady who lives in this retirement community that Miriam is is uh, essentially living in. Uh, Miriam's ability, for anybody who doesn't know, is that she touches someone and she can see the moment of their death and essentially kind of experience their death as them. Um, but she also knows like the date and time that it happens. So living in a community filled with older people in Florida, 
It makes for ripe pickings. So as she knows that these people are going down, she can go and rob them, which is really how we started with her but all the way back in Blackbirds. I mean, she's done it a little bit throughout the books. But when we first followed her story, before her life became chaotic because of her ability, that's what she was doing. She was just living off, you know, writing down or remembering when someone was going to die, showing up at the moment of their death and like lifting their wallet and any valuables they had on them. Yeah, so that was kind of a fun, like... um because obviously some really weird shit for anybody who's read Thunderbird um, happened and it ended, you know, in a, in a way where it was like, all right, Miriam needs a breather. So it was nice to kind of catch up with her trying to just kind of chill out a little bit. And uh, she's kind of hung up her, you know, her, her talent. Like, you know, she tried to, and I know that she's done this several times throughout the series. Um, and, it obviously doesn't last doesn't last too long because um she she discovers through uh, another character that comes comes to us from an earlier book agent Grosky, which i believe uh first surfaced in the book the cormorant which is the third in the series um confronts her kind of jokingly confronts her about like she had a a tough time with one of the people that like was supposed to die that she was robbing but like sh- shows her that um, while she thinks that she's kind of off the grid, she's actually really popular on the internet. And it was a really entertaining, like kind of series of scenes where she's introduced to things like Reddit. And I thought that was really good. Yeah. I mean, the book becomes bigger in scope, so she's always flown under the radar. And though, although at points there were some people that had heard about her or kind of knew something about her ability because they had an ability or whatever the case is. Um, her, her life is now being opened up to the investigative powers of the internet, right? Where people are putting together, um, you know, a path that she's been on and trying to identify her. And at one point there's even like a, a security footage of her um, uh, bursting into a hundred birds or whatever it was. So she's she's essentially on the creepy pasta for for Reddit, but people are now believing that she's real and and submitting things they think are her. So she's starting to be exposed to the world in a way she never was before. It was always like the one person, you know, that was part of the story, two, three people that would find out about her ability and then all of them would end up dead or most of them would end up dead or she'd wind up taking them along for the ride. So it does become bigger in scope as she becomes more um, exposed to the world at large. Yeah, I thought it was great that she's she's creepy pasta. (laughs) Um, and the reason that, that she, that agent Grosky is showing her all this is because, um, there's essentially, and he doesn't know it at the time, but so Grosky, uh, reaches out to Miriam because he wants to write kind of like a true crime book. And, um, that's why he shows her all this stuff. But what she discovers is that more or less, who, these this series of murders that's happening kind of in the present day are oh Siri wants to get on this because I said I series of murders. For a series of murders of happening kind of in the present day. <laughs> Take a look. Thanks Siri. Uh, <laughs> uh, where was I? Oh, um, it, it, they're copycats. So they're like they're they're murders that are happening in the same way that um happened in um Miriam's past in the books that we've already read. So. Now she's like, all right, I got to put this, put a stop to this, and and that's kind of the jump off point for where the story heads. Yeah, and as mentioned in synopsis, she winds up finding out that it's Ren who is from a couple of books ago, and she uh, Ren was a student 
at a like a weird boarding school whatever from mockingbird um so she's the one um, committing the the murders and i mean i don't know i don't know what else you say about plot right she's on a path to find ren and she's confronted with uh you know i didn't think about this until i looked at your notes which are very well put together by the way yeah there was somebody from every book appears in this book which is uh which is kind of interesting so there's yeah, like one point. character from each of the previous books that, that kind of pops up so um yeah, An ensemble it. cast yeah yeah <laughs> So that that's really it. It's it's the the hunt to to find um, Ren, find out why she's doing it, and stop her from killing people in in a way that's uh, reminiscent of how Miriam has uh, or how I don't want to even say just people she's killed because in some cases were just deaths that happened around her. So there's something there because someone or something knows about all of them. So there's that little bit of a, a weird twist there. It's not just that people are following the creepy pasta. Yeah. You know, and, and, and reenacting that someone knows about the deaths around her and is uh, mimicking them. So the thing that I think is neat about the way that this book plays out, and obviously we're not going to spoil anything, is that Miriam is now like she's working on multiple layers of motivation. So obviously one of her motivations is she knows this is Ren, um, who not only is kind of recreating Miriam's past, but also looks like strikingly similar to how Miriam did at the beginning of the series. Um, and so she not, so like she wants to stop this because um, primarily it could lead, it could make people think it was her and she could get, you know, caught or whatever. But then she also has like, and it even says it in the synopsis that um, she has to undo tragedies of her past and move forward. So there's that, but she also uh, on top of that, got some information about um, the actual real way that she could get rid of her, power uh, or curse whatever you want to call it once and for all so she's doing all this for m with like multiple motivations in mind and so instead of just abandoning like an author could be lazy and say all right well it was this but now she's trying to do this and you know like she's actually kind of got multiple reasons to be doing the things that she's she's doing and it's and it's stuff that harkens back to the earlier books so i think wendig did a great job of not only bringing characters back from other books but also like carrying forward like what would her motivations be in light of all the new things that are going on i wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that the end game is in sight the next book is the final book in the mirror and black series which of course you know um, um new york times bestseller type numbers could change that as always but currently right. vultures is supposed to be the last book in the series so i think when the end is in sight it's probably easier um to to go you know not easier but almost more important to go back and revisit and tie things up yeah bring all then the it threads was, together if this was an yeah. open-ended yeah if he was thinking i don't know maybe 15 20 books then he could leave some of those things on the table for either a lot longer yeah um or get himself so far into the story that like you said he forgets and or makes them unimportant um but knowing that you're getting to the end uh would be hard to tie everything up in one book i would think so you start doing that earlier yeah, it's a good point. Like yeah. he, there's yeah, he very intentionally um, made vultures. Like he knew the vultures was gonna be the last book. So um, I'm interested to see a little side note um, on social media. He announced, I think it was like sometime last week, that he had just finished doing the initial draft of, or the draft that he's handing into his publisher for vultures. So it, at least for Chuck Wendig, you know, the major work is done and the story has been told, which is kind of cool. Very much so. Um, I think we're going to do spoiler talk um, for this. 
So there's some things I think we should, you, Rob and I should talk about. And if you've <laughs> read The Raptor and the Wren or your Patreon contributor who just wants to hear more of these sultry voices, you'll be able to head over there. Before I say that, I do want to say I, I, memory works in weird ways, right? So I, I think that characters imprint themselves on your mind in a certain way um, mm-hmm. by their by their most notable characteristics. So when a lot of time goes in between um, revisiting a character, uh, I, I don't know how much of that gets built up in your head. So I felt like in this, um, I liked Miriam better um, than I did in the previous books because I felt she wasn't nearly as over the top with like how she acts oh, towards other people. Yeah. She wasn't as brazen. And, and I found that to be, and, and whatever, you know, in the course of the books, it was fun. It was enjoyable. But I always felt like some of it felt a little too over the top for me. Yeah. Um, and not because of the language or whatever. It just felt like she was so combative all the time with everybody that it would get to be a little, you know, where I thought it was slightly unrealistic. Yeah. Now, maybe because she needs to take a breather, you know, it could just be a character thing. I, I don't know what it is, but I felt like she was a little more controlled in this one. And I really like that. And I, I think all of her internal dialogue was also a little more reined in than, than in the previous books. And again, I may just be um, over characterizing her previously because those were the characteristics that stood out about her. So I don't know if it's me or if it actually was, you know, Chuck purposely reining it in, or maybe even just from the character standpoint, reining it in. Cause you know, she's not getting any younger. She's getting a lot of miles on her. A lot of weird shit has happened to her. So maybe she's <laughs> thawed out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if you go back, if I remember Blackbirds correctly, you know, her basic response to anybody who said a word to her was, hey, fuck you. You Pretty know what much, I mean? Yeah. And now it didn't seem that way in this yeah, book. Friend Although or some foe. of it's still there. Yeah. Some of it's still there. She's still really kind of uh, snarky and whatever, but it was in a much more believable manner. At least I felt it was. And. The interesting contrast that we haven't had the uh, the benefit of in previous books, which um, which I think was cool, was basically in this book, Ren is the new uh, young Miriam, and so um, like you get to see her looking at, oh, this is what I was like, um, and so you get that contrast. But um, the thing I liked about this book was it just didn't it didn't just take Ren and make her exactly how Miriam was. Um, Ren is her own person who uh, reacts to what's happening to her, which is very similar to what happened to Miriam in an entirely different way than Miriam did, um, which makes Miriam kind of reflect on herself a little bit too and what she's gone through and how she, like the decisions that she made. So um, whether it was intentional or not, like that subtle um, um, difference between how, like the path that Ren is going down and the path that, that Miriam did was was a really cool way to see how she reflects on her past versus like maybe other decisions she could have made. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right on that. I didn't give it much thought, but as you were talking it all it all um it all rang true. So Yeah. Uh you ready to go over to spoiler talk? Yeah, let's spoil this bitch. So uh Patreon subscribers of at least one dollar per month, which I believe might be the minimum you can do on Patreon anyway. Um, get to hear additional little snippets of episodes. So these typically run seven to 12 minutes or so where we yeah. talk about some of the more spoilery aspects. And in some cases, it's weird. So I was thinking about this. In some cases, the last one we did for The Woman in the Window, we talked about the things we didn't buy at all yeah. in the in the story. And obviously, we can't do that depending on where they're at. So I just talked about something I liked a lot more was Miriam's demeanor towards other people. Um, spoiler talk would be where I say, but... 
four-fifths of the way in this book, I'm calling bullshit on this, which I'm, I'm not. I don't really – but you know what I mean? So it's, it's hard because then you don't want to come back and say, well, at the end some bullshit happened, you know, because that's kind of spoilery. So any rate, you're going to get a few more minutes of us for your Patreon listeners. Um, we're going to go do that right now. And the next thing you'll hear is Rob bringing us back from Spoiler Talk. All right. We are back mere a second after we left. Um, if you're a Patreon com- contributor, once you're done with this episode, flop over to Patreon, check out our spoiler talk. We had some a lot more conversation than I think we expected to um, about this book, but it's time to do some wrap-ups for our everybody episode. <laughs> here's um, here's what I was thinking. There's no need for us to do that thing where we go away. Like We could just do it and cut in and be like, by the way, there's spoiler talk. <laughs> but I, we literally do it Every so time, that if yeah. you're not contributing on Patreon, <laughs> you know that you're missing something out. And we know it's just a yeah. split second. Um, but we know that, that that you're missing out. I was watching a YouTube um, series or whatever. It's a guy who does interviews, and it's really weird because they'll like break for um, you know to get a drink and use the washroom and stuff. Like his logo goes up and music plays for like five minutes. Come on, I'm not kidding. And the only thing I could think of is they must broadcast it live originally, and then instead of editing it out, right? They just, and, yeah. and it, with YouTube, you just fast forward, right? You slide the slider over till you see people moving on the screen, and you stop. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm tempted since people don't, not enough people subscribe to Patreon, in my humble opinion, um, to just leave that gap of time <laughs> where you just mute out. <laughs> like after you've cut it out, you just mute it out. <laughs> so they could be like, holy shit, man, they must be talking oh. about a lot of really cool stuff over on Patreon. I'm going to go give these guys a dollar a month so that they can continue to eat. Well, all right. So that's tricky because I was thinking, and A, I love your idea. Um, the, I was really thinking that like that little like one second jump is it's like one part like guilt trip and one part sales pitch like you know like hey if you were giving us a dollar a month you'd know what was going on but it's also like we want you to know that you haven't given us money and that's why you have to listen to us say those things if it wasn't so much work, do you remember originally? Sorry, this is a peek behind the curtain. We'll get to our wrap-ups. Do you remember what my original idea was for Patreon? That we do three public episodes a month and one private one? Yep. I wonder how that would have gone if we would have started doing that a few years ago. That's a good question. The world will never know. Yeah. It's just too much work. Because when I look how many people are subscribed, I'm like, that's a lot of work. For Not worth people. it, yeah. yeah well, so, I mean, yeah. that could be a chicken and egg thing. Like, what if we had done it and there was tons of subscribers? Like, that could have been the million-dollar idea. Oh, maybe year eight will bring that. Maybe year eight. Year seven? How does that work? It would be year eight, right? We, We're well, going to, right? we will have completed seven years. Right. So, yeah. So, maybe in year eight, we'll give that a shot. All right. Um, I'm going to let you go first this time, buddy. Oh, damn it. See, that's why I let it up so that you could take it over. And then you took us on a wild ride talking about... All right. Anyway. So, uh, I think that consistently in our reviews of this series um, and Chuck Wendig books in general, I've always had a favorable reaction to the books. And um, one thing that I noticed, and we'll see if Livius um, feels the same way, I think we talked about it off off the podcast, and I think he does, is that I really enjoyed this book more than I did Thunderbird. Um, so, over the course of the series, I think that the first and second books really killed it third and fourth books were like a little bit of a dip in my you know enjoyment level but still i i I really liked the books and then this book is bringing it back up to like how i felt about the original two books so um if you've read through the series and you're kind of 
like wavering on it, in my opinion, it's picking back up. Um, so that's the first thing I'm going to say. I liked pretty much everything about this book. Um, Miriam is noticeably different in this book. Um, her, the way that she acts versus how she was in the, in the beginning of the series. And it is a way that makes the character, um, easier to like and, and more easy to root for. So I think it, it's a good change. And I think it's a change that reflects the things that have happened to the character throughout the series. Um, the, the supporting characters, it was nice to see people come back from earlier books because it kind of shines a light on things that I haven't thought about in a while, but it also has the pitfall of that's something I read four years ago. I don't remember it as clearly as I would like to. So there's a little bit of an up and a down there. Um, but overall I enjoyed this book. And like I said, I think the series is on an upswing and I'm looking forward to see what happens in vultures because there's a lot of kind of what ifs that are hanging out there. Um, that it would be interesting to see how he chooses to resolve them. Um, so overall, I'm going to give this book four stars. I, um, I agree with Rob on absolutely everything he said. I really like uh, Miriam Black. I think, and, and there are a number of series I've read that were um, as long or longer than this. And I think at a certain point, if you're attached enough to a character, um, even the dips are still good because you're revisiting someone you're real comfortable with. I, I from a story standpoint, I, I, I thought this was, um, it was a little muddy for me, but I think it just took a while for me to kind of catch up to what was going on and to kind of recall where these characters come from. That being said, I don't think it hurt the story at all because I'm still along with Miriam for the ride. Had this been a standalone book that we were reading, um, you know, even with better setup, I would have said, ah, the story was kind of messy. It was hard for me to get into or whatever. But Miriam is the stabilizing factor in that. Right. So at this point, I'll read Miriam doing whatever it is she's doing. And I'm sure I'll enjoy it because I like her character. I found her character much more relatable this time because she's less of a bitch. I mean, that's really the only way I can think of to put it. So she's a little <laughs> more a little more believable. And like you said, easier to like. Not that I didn't like her before. There were just times where I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit at some of the her reactions to things. I also like this better than Thunderbird, um, partially for, for what's going on with Miriam and the fact that the story is starting to wrap up. And you can kind of feel that. Um, through the course of this story. So there's like, kind of like some buildup and, and you know it's coming to an end. So you're, you're, I think you're reading it differently than when you don't know that the end is near. So some of that, you know, I'll give credit to Chuck Wendick for writing a, a really good book. Some of that I'll give credit to just um, how I think things evolve when the end is in sight. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think Rob's spot on. I think this was, this was four stars. I didn't want to think about the last time we agreed on a rating. Yeah, I, I just I didn't want to drop it off like that. I just, it was like you you pretty much covered everything it needed covering. So I think I think you're spot on. I'm I'm looking forward to vultures. Nice, nice personally, but not necessarily for the podcast. <laughs> no, and that's the thing. See, so the difference between Rob and I is that occasionally, and and far much more so, at least this year. I know we're only a month in. Um, you know, I can read books outside the podcast. <laughs> so that's. <laughs> I'm on my third non-podcast book this year, and we've reviewed three books for the podcast. So, wow, I'm I'm, I'm at even pace. Although it's going to be a challenge. I didn't think I don't think I told you I was reading. I'm reading Origins by Dan Brown. Oh yeah, you mentioned that. And yeah. you know those are not quick and easy to get through. So we'll see. 
how far I get before I have to pick up another book to book. Right now, I'm at like 6%. I just barely started it. Well, the big question is going to be, does he continue his, his tradition of being horrible at writing people, but great at writing history? Because that's kind of uh, his deal, yeah, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. And I'm not far enough in yet to... to to make that leap. I will say it's, it's interesting. I'm going to give you the premise um, for it. Not that I expect you to read it. We're not going to review it for the podcast or anything, but in this one, it starts off with a guy who's like, um, uh, I don't know, like a tech mogul, you know, some, some young guy who's super smart with tech. So he's kind of like a, like a Bill Gates type character. Like he's invented all this cool technology stuff Mm -hmm. and he approaches um, the leaders of like the three biggest religions in a very secret meeting and says in a couple of weeks, I plan on exposing this thing that's going to change how people think about religion forever. So whatever it is that he is going to um, unleash to the world is going to be some huge revelation. So I'm looking forward to see what it is. It's called origins. So I'm thinking it's going to have something to do with, uh, the creation or the big bang theory or something, you know what I mean? And then how right. um, Robert Langdon is going to, you know, figure out whatever I'm guessing this guy gets killed before he can do that. And Langdon's going to be the one who has to do the discovering. So it'll be interesting. I, I always find his storytelling fascinating. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I, I, with the Robert Langdon books, I would I, the way that I would land in it, and like if we didn't have a podcast, and that was just like, and someone just threw that book at me, I'd probably read it because, as as horrible as he is is with writing people, I feel like the good outweighs the bad with his books just enough where like I would choose to to even if I don't think that Dan Brown's a remarkable writer, I think the books have enough merit to just kind of pick up and read. I'm always fascinated by the fact that he weaves in um, so much fact. Yeah, into them that he doesn't just. Um, oh, that's right. These scenarios. are like these are like history books for you. <laughs> yeah, well, but it, in, in most cases, I mean, like I said, that's the 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 whatever the front matter in this actually says that I, I remember. I can't. I'm not quoting specifically, but it's something like every organization and every whatever. Like he lists a couple other things in this book are fact. So when he's talking about whatever, you know, weird um, religious order or whatever he's talking about in this particular book, like that is a religious order that exists. Now, they may not have an assassin on the payroll looking to kill the guy who's going to out the fact that the Big Bang Theory is is real and, you know, it wasn't creationism or whatever the storyline is that the people um, involved and at least the things he puts down and says, you know, this is historically accurate or whatever is factual. So you can actually learn some stuff there, too. I like that. Yeah. Good. Um, just so that everybody is caught up on my reading habits, um, I have not read anything that's not been for the podcast. Uh, you were reading Twitter so, posts like they were going out of style just moments before we recorded. Twitter, that's true. So thank you for uh, <laughs> uh, the, the gracious segue into going back to Ch- Chuck Wendig a little bit. Um, Ryan, the marketing intern, who is uh, – we can just call him Ryan now. Think, yeah, yeah we can drop the title, yeah. <laughs> Because it's, I mean, anybody who knows anything about this podcast knows that there's zero marketing that goes into the podcast. Um, Ryan was on a trip to, he goes to a conference in uh, in Portland, I think on an annual basis. Back in December, Ryan was in Portland and he likes to read a lot. And um, so he went to Powell's City of Books, as you do when you're in Portland. Livius, have you ever been to Portland? Negative. All right. You've been Can here, you though, just right? imagine me in Portland? 
You would just be punching hipsters all the time. I am nonviolent. <laughs> I would not be punching anybody. You'd be vaping at hipsters angrily. Um, all right, so the we vape have to... shops there must be really impressive, though. I will say that <laughs> they probably got really great. Well, vape yeah, shops. you'd probably just latch on to like your little subculture of people. Um, I need to do a little little like side before we go back to Twitter. Um, Portland uh, is is the type of city, kind of like you're saying that like you know not everybody is going to be into and i was watching recently if you've heard of the comedians in cars getting coffee yes mm-hmm. i never watched those but um i recently just kind of picked up an episode and i really enjoyed it so i kind of ripped through a lot of episodes of that show and in one of them i can't remember who he's with oh it's um fred armison who does portlandia um and they're in portland and so, like, the whole, I don't know if you've ever watched any of it, but, like, the premise is, like, um, Jerry picks up his guests in a car, and then they drive to places, like, to get coffee or food or whatever, and they talk about comedy. And this is this only happened in this episode with Fred Armisen. Uh, when they were waiting for coffee or food, a little timer came up on the screen, and it was, like, their hipster service timer. <laughs> And it's as hilarious as you think it is because they ordered something like an Americano or something at the coffee place they went to. And it's like eight minutes later, they got their coffee. Uh, They go into a little like tchotchke kind of, you know, giftable type shop. And Jerry finds one thing to buy and he buys it. And it takes nine minutes for them to ring him out. And like they're at a place (laughs) for food and they order like sandwiches. And 15 minutes later, they get there. So... You have to imagine, give credit to the guy who was editing that, right? Because he's got this raw footage and he's like, oh my God, how long do I have? Because you just have to watch and wait right, right. for the edit. So you've got to be like, oh my God, how long does it take to do shit in Portland? That's apparently nine minutes seems to be the, the marker. Yeah. And like those episodes, like the entire episode of like Comedians in Cars is anywhere from like 15 to like 20 minutes long. So you have to imagine the person that's editing this is thinking, we could do an entire episode just from when they order the sandwich to when they are handed their sandwich. Um, so I thought that was really funny, but that's that's Portland for you. But anyway. I don't want – hold on because now I want to address something else and I have no information <laughs> on this. Someone told me – and it's it's really weird because I, I don't know. I, I find those kind of concepts kind of interesting. I, I've never watched it. I know exactly what it is. But I was talking to somebody, somebody from work. They were saying, hey, have you ever seen this this YouTube interview series? And I was like, I I know I am not familiar with it. And he said, well, this guy interviews celebrities, but he also like he started out with like a cooking blog. So now he interviews celebrities, but they eat hot wings while they're doing it. (laughs) But they so it'll be like he'll ask a question. They'll eat one hot wing. And then the, um, the you know, they'll discuss the answer. But they have like 10 or 12 hot wings and they start like mild. So when you get to the last one, it's super, super hot. So yeah. part of it is you get to watch the person being interviewed. But like by the end, they're like sweating and can barely talk. <laughs> and like sniffing. And yeah. yeah. And I was thinking to myself, like, that's fascinating because apparently just sitting down and interviewing somebody anymore and then, you know, getting coffee in cars with comedians or whatever is, is the same thing. Right. It's like yeah. you could just have an interview. But instead, we're going to add this element of we have to drive around and do something. So I, I, yeah, maybe we do our interviews wrong. Maybe we should, um, maybe we should get Craig <laughs> around the show. 
hang him upside down from like a helicopter while we're talking to him or something. Maybe yeah. that'll be our thing. I, I don't know. We'll have to come so up that with he's something. at like eye level with us, but he's upside down because he's hanging from yeah. a helicopter. Yeah, uh, something. that might be I don't a hard know. sell. Something. But listen, it's working for some people. Apparently, this this guy with the YouTube thing's got you know millions and millions of downloads. I, I will tell you that after watching comedians and cars getting coffee, I did have a thought of I want to do this with authors. Like I had a very big urge. Um, so we could we could hang Craig Clevenger out of a helicopter at some point. I'm not ruling that out. All right. So, Sorry. Go back to Twitter. <laughs> so Ryan's at Powell's, and he's shopping around, and he finds an advanced reader copy. This is December 2nd, an advanced reader copy of Chuck Wendig's The Raptor and the Wren. Um, and so he puts on Twitter, uh, he at mentions Chuck Wendig. He says, you might want to have a talk with a certain bookstore. I rescued this, and I'm going to put it in my book safe until January when I hear your glitter trumpet proclaim it is time to ingest this dark word candy. And he posts a picture of the arc and he posts a picture of like the little Powell's price tag on the back. Um, and then he follows up with a tweet that says also they sold it for less than $7. That's fucking cold right there. Um, and I know that, and I couldn't find, this is why Olivia said I was reading lots of tweets. Chuck actually, uh, responded to Ryan and, um, his publisher, I believe Ann Powell saying like, Hey, this isn't cool or something like that. So, or at least saying, Hey, what's going on here? So I don't want to put words in Chuck's mouth. Yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, so it's interesting. But, you know, we've seen this before, too. Um, I bought an arc off of eBay for something we reviewed. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean, like that's yeah, it happens. So I, I guess uh, it is weird, though. So I, I think that getting our copies is super cool, even when they're books. We've talked about this, even when they're books I don't like. I'm like, this is so neat. Like, I don't know how many, you know, maybe they send out 500. I, I don't know. But it's so cool that I have something that nobody else has. I can't see turning around and just selling it. It, it you know, I, I don't know. All I'm going to say is this, since Ryan technically no longer has any involvement with the book podcast, I'm calling bullshit on him waiting until the release date to read it. Not only bullshit on him not doing it, I'm calling bullshit on even fucking claiming that. Because if it, I, I know he's like <laughs> Chuck Wendig since before this podcast. I believe that might be yeah. how you and him started talking about that the podcast. That was how we met, yeah, yeah. yeah. So my point being... Um, if one of my favorite authors, if I had a dark copy I picked up in Powell's, I'd be like, hey, dude, look at what I picked up. And then I'd be like, uh, by the way, I just got done reading it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dude. Know what I mean? like, yeah. No, Ryan told me he read it on the plane ride home from Portland. Oh, so. all right. Okay. Because I was calling <laughs> bullshit on it and bullshit on his even saying it. So, yeah. But that's, uh, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> so, what Chuck, I if you're listening, Ryan, not as pure as he may sound. Um, so, ARC copies are just a weird thing in general because um, – like they give you a copy of a book to read, but there's all these like, you know, sometimes there's um, uh, like embargoes on when you can talk about stuff you, and they ask you not to quote it because they're uncorrected proofs and stuff like that. But like in this one, because I also received through legitimate channels, a print arc of Raptor and the Wren, there's this little thing at the front, like a little disclaimer. Do not quote for publication until verified with finished book. This advanced uncorrected reader's proof is the property of Simon & Schuster. It is being loaned for promotional purposes and review by the recipient and may not be used for any other purpose or transferred to any third party. Simon & Schuster reserves the right to cancel the loan and recall possession of the proof at any time. Any duplication, sale, or distribution to the public is a violation of law. I don't know how enforceable 
any of what you just said is. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. No, and it's, and I get it. Like, listen, like I said, it's super cool. I do not want to be that guy that Simon and Schuster does not want to give books out to anymore. Um, and and I understand. But I also like if they sold it for seven bucks, someone turned that thing in for what three dollars in yeah. store credit or something. Yep. Like I don't like. Ugh, it's brutal. And if it's if if I had to guess, because I'm sitting next to a pile of probably 25 books that I'm never even going to open, mm-hmm. it's probably an arc that went to someone who didn't even care about Chuck Wendig, who well, just had yeah. to clear up space sure. in their apartment or whatever, so they just dumped off a bunch of books of Powell's. Um, it, so I, I don't believe it was nefarious. <laughs> well, so you can't make any money. No, you can. So you can. Now, I imagine if you're on that list where you get a Stephen King book early, sure. I would have to imagine that commands more than like three or four bucks at Powell's. Um, you could probably get someone to pay you like fifteen hundred bucks for one of those. Sure, absolutely. So I don't know. Anyway, um, not us. I prefer you guys just send us digital copies if you're listening, Simon and Schuster, because <laughs> that's how I prefer to do my reading. Yeah. Now I've been I've been on a kick of just writing publishers and asking them for books a lot, and um, sometimes they just like default to one or the other. So they they give you sure. like a e-galley link or they'll just be like hey books in the mail and i just whatever i'll take it that's fine yeah anyway i've got nothing else you got anything i feel like i had a, another topic i feel like i also have no idea what that topic was the by the way the youtube show that i was talking about earlier is first we feast nice yeah. Check it out um, if you want to. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just another Hot weird wings. way to, to interview people. That's I, I don't even know if I'm going to watch any of it, but I did Google and and find that's what it's called. There is a good chance that I'll eat some chicken tonight. Now that now that we've been talking about that, probably not hot wings though. Oh, I know what I wanted to talk about. I think we talked about it off the podcast, but it, it bears mentioning um, the sneakers. You want? I have a callback to our sneaker discussion. Um, so in, in the episode where we talked to Seth Harwood, I mentioned uh, a coworker who has these special, you know, sneakers with like the little red tag on them and stuff. And this is like the most adorable story. I, I know he's going to be listening to this too. Um, he caught cause I was really excited to, to have like someone that I talked to that knows something that like this guy, you know, is, is passionate about. So I wanted him to listen to it. He told me he listened to it and he, and he thought it was, you know, he thought Seth really knew his stuff about shoes, which is great. Uh, but then he goes on to tell me this like this fun little anecdote where uh, <laughs> there was the part in the episode where I mention, hey, a guy, Moises is his name, by the way, Moises, um, a guy I work with, blah, blah, blah. And he tells me the story of how when that part of the episode came up, his dad turned to him and says, hey, are they talking about you? And the best part about that is like this dude sat down and listened to our podcast with his dad. Just adorable. Yeah, so if you're not listening with a loved one in tow, you should definitely <laughs> do that. That's really the the gist of this. Have the loved one also contribute $1 a month to our Patreon, patreon.com slash booked. Yeah. And uh, they'll also be able to listen to Spoiler Talk. Listen, we should have a thing like this Simon, Simon & Schuster thing. So if somebody's listening to Spoiler Talk and they are listening with a loved one, we have the right <laughs> to charge them double. Right. Because yeah. there's a second person listening. That's true. So Moises, get your pops to uh, to give yeah, us some money on Patreon. Exactly. So, yeah. at any rate, ho- glad you enjoyed the episode. Mo- Moises, Moises, yeah, yes. Moises. Glad you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening. Um, uh, all right, now we're done. Well, yeah, we have to talk about what's coming up next, right? Right. So here's what's coming up next. We have no idea. It's probably going to be another evening with somebody. 
Or oh, okay, but we have the we know we have the Valentine's episode coming Correct. up, right? Yes. So, and I am, I, if I put it down here that next is the thing, then Rob and I will get up off our dead asses and and try to figure out who we're having a <laughs> conversation with. Um. So here, I'll throw it out there for the listeners. I'll tell you what the conversations are like behind oh, behind. Oh the thing. God. I go to Rob. You know, it'd be great. What if we just like crowdsource? Like, hey, who wants to who wants to talk to us for an hour and a half or or whatever? And then I thought, man, I would just have to avoid so many people that would like be like, hey, I'll do it. And then we just have to ignore them because I don't want to tell them no. But we really don't want to spend the time talking to them. So uh, yeah, this is an invite only thing. We have a list. We just haven't really decided who we want to reach out to yet. So <laughs> expect that over the next two months. Um, you're going to get uh, some bonus episodes, and those are uh, mostly going to be um, conversations with um, writers, typically. I mean, I'm not excluding people who don't write, but, I mean, it is a book review podcast. So I guess we talk to people who read. Yeah, we haven't talked to many readers. No, we haven't. But um, so, They're usually uh, not interesting people, though, so... Yeah, so that's yeah, that's true. That's, <laughs> yeah, we have to talk about books because we're not interesting enough to talk about ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so that's what's going to be coming up. Some extra episodes, conversations with evenings with um, such and such people. And uh, that's it. That's all I got. Great. Me too. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Booked. Join us next time for something. Join us down the road for some other stuff, including probably a Valentine's episode. Until then, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snudden. Keep reading.